Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. I'm the Assistant Director for Engagement um, at the Spectrum Center, which is the Gender and Sexuality Center. And I oversee a few different sections of the office, including uh, events and partnership, the communications work, some assessment work, as well as some alumni relations with our LGBTQ alumni as well. The Spectrum Center is the Gender and Sexuality Center here at University of Michigan. We're actually the oldest gender and sexuality center in the nation, an institute of higher education, co-founded in 1971 out of student activism by Jim Toy and Sinegar, who at the time were two students who uh, staffed the center. So in 2021, next year, we're going to be celebrating our 50th anniversary, uh, which we're pretty proud of, but also a little nervous, right, um, because of all the legacies that we need to also leave behind us as well. We're located in the uh, Division of Student Life here at U- University of Michigan, in which we serve students, staff, and faculty members, as well as local community members uh, regarding LGBTQ topics. Our mission really is to advocate and elevate and enrich equity and inclusion work in regard to gender and sexuality on campus, and, and just be able to serve all who identifies within the community as well as allies. Being a center of um, seven professional staff serving a campus such as University of Michigan, it's pretty, you know, difficult to do the work by ourselves. So I do want to thank, you know, our collaborators, whether they are colleagues at the institution or students and student organizations. I think that, you know, building partnership with them have been crucial uh, to be able to execute the work that we've been doing. Some of the things that we've been doing to enhance campus climate has been supporting um, name change processes within the institution, having pronouns included in class rosters on lowering access, having a gender inclusive housing, which we're working collaboration with the university housing department, um, doing some healthcare navigation as well in regard to hormones uh, or PrEP or different kind of healthcare access for LGBTQ students, as well as, you know, really uh, promoting a resilient and thriving environment for LGBTQ students. I think oftentimes we think of, of queer and trans students as uh, from a deficit model, right, of like they always need help and they're always experiencing difficulties, but also knowing that they've always existed and that, you know, they have been able to graduate from, from the university and being able to get good grades and navigating campus and whatnot. And that's been, you know, partially thanks to the, the, the Spectrum Center as well as their um, own support network. Uh, one thing that we, we try to, to excel at is really working on the intersection of identities of students. So when we think of LGBTQ students with disabilities or LGBTQ students of color and, and whatnot, um, to mention some identities, uh, we really try to focus on, you know, on the the racial justice work within the center, um, what accessibility looks like to our event, to our workshops, or even to the physical space of the center. And we've also done some work around uh, first-generation access as well as graduate students, uh, again, in partnership with different offices on campus to really be able to serve the whole student and not just their LGBTQ identities. We do need people to be involved with us. We have two mentorship programs. One of them is a peer-to-peer program, a one-on-one program with students. 
And the other one is uh, a student-facing staff and faculty members to identify within the community. And I think that's uh, one of the most engaging from where people can have significant relationships with other folks within the LGBT community. And this is among a plethora of volunteer programs that we have here at the center. And what I like about, about our volunteer program is that they cater to people's capacity and time uh, restrictions as well, knowing that a lot of our students and staff and faculty members are busy. We want to be able to you know, accommodate uh, what the, their schedules look like as well. We have a lot of student organizations. We have about like 18-ish LGBTQ-specific um, student organizations on campus, including the programming board, which serves um, under the Spectrum Center. So those are student organizations that, you know, students can volunteer their time uh, to be either on the e-board or to just engage with the community as well. Uh, I do not want to forget our alumni community as well, and we have a, an LGBTQ alumni association group which um, meets uh, once a year as a general membership, but also does a, um, a few programming uh, and initiatives efforts um, throughout the, the academic year as well. Lastly, I want to mention, you know, that uh, for folks who are able to, you know, make gifts uh, for the Spectrum Center uh, to support our student programming, our scholarships and grants, or other, other um, types of student needs, uh, that, you know, they're welcome to do that, but that's a way to engage uh, with the Spectrum Center as well you know, from, from a distance as well. Pride Month, uh, you know, has started really back uh, in the day uh, with activism, right, uh, against uh, police violence, police censorship. Um, and, and now it's transformed um, radically into, into something very different. And I think that a, a lot of it is attributed to needing that community building piece that, you know, we don't typically get um, in uh, any spaces. So yes, there are gay bars, there are, you know, um, LGBTQ specific spaces, but that's not as either public or accepting, um, I think sometimes. So community building and bringing uh, LGBTQ folks of all walks of life to one space uh, at festivals or parades uh, really helps celebrate those identities that historically and, to, and sometimes to, uh, in the presence, uh, have been marginalized as well. It's, it's the, uh, the creating space of, you know, um, such environments that has been really, I think, helped a lot of people uh, either come out or being able to sustain as out folks in the community. Um, I, I want to mention that Laverne Cox mentioned about this concept of possibility model where people are able to see other folks like them and able to relate and able to see that, oh, I can be a Congress person one day, or I can be the CEO of a company one day. And that, I think that uh, Pride really provides this representation uh, to young members, but also to, to folks who are trying to find the journey uh, of what it means to be themselves. And not to mention that, you know, despite all those festivities and celebrations, uh, there still are people who are unaccepting and, and homophobic, transphobic. And we see that at Pride parades sometimes where there's uh, counter-protesters, which, you know, I, I think really lights up the fire in some people to really celebrate pride and really promote not just acceptance and tolerance, but also affirmations, right, and like uh, an acknowledgement of the queer and trans community. We at Spectrum Center just did a partnership with the Center for Academic Innovation 
in developing a Pride Teacher, which is a free um, mini online course uh, of about five hours. And it's free and accessible to anyone. So if folks are interested in learning more about Pride, they can definitely go on the Center for Academic Innovation here at University of Michigan's website uh, and check out the Pride Teacher out as well. Lavender graduation is a graduation ceremony and celebration to celebrate our LGBTQ graduates. And that has been canceled. Uh, we typically get about 75 to 100 students graduating every class. And this year, they were not able to, uh, you know, walk right with their cross stage, with their stalls and, and cords and whatnot. And I know that it affects a lot of students, right? And, and anybody graduating, really. But oftentimes, you don't. Uh, I feel like for LGBTQ folks, they don't get to be proud of their LGBTQ identities while graduating. That was administering, you know, this uh, gap, really. So I think a lot of the graduation has been affected in terms of how students perceived or were able to celebrate their queer and trans identities for graduation. Uh, obviously, we're preparing for the 50th anniversary of the Spectrum Center in the celebration right now. And, you know, this has kind of changed right now because a lot of it depended on philanthropy work. A lot of it depended on the capacity of on different colleagues and students around the university, which now has changed and shifted in priorities. Um, so I think that's also been impacted in, in different ways as well. Focusing on our students, I think a lot of them had to either go back home or you know, uh, had housing insecurity in some ways where, you know, going back home could be unsafe or they could not be um, out like they are on campus. And, and I think that's affected them a lot in terms of the mental health they are navigating, the anxieties and depression and whatnot. A lot of folks have lost their jobs as well uh, on campus because campus has, so to speak, closed um, and, and the stay-at-home order has prevented them from being able to make um, additional income to be able to supply to whether it's hormones or um, other kind of health care or basic needs. So sometimes food insecurity is, is, you know, the basic need that somebody needs. And, and, you know, if you don't have any income, you're not able to get those as well. The potential space of having to take classes online is also impacting our students because some of them are taking whether gender and sexuality or women's studies classes online and are not able to speak freely because they're not out at home. So sharing a space with their parents or siblings or anybody else at home uh, and having to censor their um, gender and sexuality speech uh, can sometimes be also impactful in terms of how they can be themselves and authentically themselves. Uh, so th those are to name a few challenges, you know, that um, our students have been encountering since stay at home and COVID-19 impacting the university. And I'm sure that there's a lot of them that I have not mentioned right now, but that, you know, our students could potentially speak even better on behalf of those. It is definitely a historical moment in U.S. history, at least, to be able to have that passed, although not unanimous. I think that the majority, you know, has spoken on behalf of uh, LGBTQ um, existence in life. Yes, employers cannot discriminate anymore uh, against somebody who identifies with an LGBT community in terms of keeping them or firing them from, from the employment, right? I think there are nuances to that though, although it's a policy that has been written. I, I think that the nuance is that, right? Like, how do we reinforce that policy 
right, on, on an individual basis? Um, how do we know that the practice is following the policy? So an example of that that I can offer is that, you know, somebody is just joining a new work environment. They are uh, currently on probation, you know, for just starting the job and are potentially afraid of coming out, right, because of not knowing who the coworkers are, who the employers are as well and not wanting to right, fail, so to speak, that in that probation period. So I think although the, the Supreme Court decision has been passed uh, in favor of LGBTQ people, there are some nuances here and there of, of how do we reinforce that policy. But right now, you know, a, a win is a win and, and we're happy in celebrating that, which you know, I think that it all started back in the day following you know, um, same-sex marriages and now LGBTQ uh, employment security as well, and hopefully there will be more progresses after that. I also want to mention that, you know, though there are small wins happening, I think that we definitely need to focus on, right, like not being satisfied with just small wins, but also continuing the advocacy and inclusion of queer and trans individuals, but also like in individuals in general, right, um, who especially have had marginalized identities, I do want to mention specifically that lately, uh, the presidential administration is trying to remove non-discrimination protections for LGBT people in healthcare and health insurance, and that they are trying to encourage uh, through policy, really, uh, adoption agencies to reject LGBT applicants, potential parents, and that, right, like, I think if we think of the, the whole picture if you are an LGBTQ you know, couple and are able to get married but not able to adopt children or conceive children on your own, you know, what would be the goal of that, right? I think that oftentimes we need to think on the large picture. So even though we've won a battle, I think that uh, with the knowledge of winning the war, right, we need to be able to think on, on a broader scope as well. So Yes, happy and celebrating those wins, knowing that there's a lot more that can be done and needs to be done to promote inclusion within LGBTQ communities. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.